What's going on? Ooh. Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. Almost at the end of January, it is Monday the 30th. Lucas and Cameron hanging out with you today. Yes, sir. Going to wrap out our top 20 running backs from the 2022 fantasy football season. We'll finish giving them their job performance reviews, seeing how they actually did this year. I mean, if they're top 20, they probably did good, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm at Lucas once on Twitter, Cam Law, FFF for Cameron, FFLs for her main account, TFFLs on Instagram, Fancy Football Fellas on TikTok, and YouTube. Big announcement coming out next week. Can I yes, tease sir. that? Big announcement next week. Stay tuned for that. Like quite literally a week from today, there's going to be a big announcement. Wow. It's coming up quick. I know. Isn't that crazy? So if you're not following us on our socials. Uh, make sure you do, because we're going to be announcing uh, over on our socials. We'll announce it on the pod too next week. Uh, but go follow us on our socials. Cause that's where the big announcement will take place. Yes, sir. Let's uh, we got a lot on the agenda today and very little time to cover it all. Uh, we could probably sit and talk about these conference championship games for probably, we could probably spend a whole episode on them, honestly. I mm-hmm. uh, got lots of news and notes to cover since we didn't cover those last week. A lot of new hirings. And obviously we have quarterback or not quarterbacks, running backs, excuse me, 11 through 20 to cover in this week's episode. Uh, but as I, I said, let us begin by uh, briefly discussing the conference championships from this past weekend. So we had one pretty bad game and one really good game Mm -hmm. uh, that I was concerned wasn't going to shape up to be a good game um, based on the first half of football. Mm -hmm. Let's start in the NFC. Philadelphia mopped the floor with San Francisco. Yeah. Albeit some unfortunate circumstances to make that happen. But I mean, the way this Eagles team has been playing, I mean, I don't know how much more Brock Purdy could have done to help that 49ers team 31 to seven, the final score there in Philadelphia. Uh, and, I, and I mean, I think that's two, there's two big takeaways from this game for me. Number one, I mean, Brock Purdy, does he, the question you need to ask is, does he make a difference in helping this team win the ball game? If he doesn't get injured in the first quarter, Um. I don't know if he does. I don't think the score is 31 to seven, but I mm-hmm. still think the way the Eagles dominated San Francisco on defense or dominated uh, San Francisco's defense through the run game. Yeah. Which is my takeaway. Number two, the Eagles just had their way on the ground. Like I couldn't believe it. Jalen hurts. Didn't have to throw the football. Like the no, Eagles there's... were just tearing them up on the ground where the 49ers have been phenomenal all season. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was less than 220 passing yards from both teams combined in this game. It was just Eagles play good defense. Um, but yeah, even on that first drive when Purdy got hurt, um, it wasn't it wasn't like the 49ers looked like they were going to be moving the ball, right? He got hurt on a strip sack. So where they had a tight end blocking Hassan Reddick one-on-one. Oh. So it's just... Can we just, can we just acknowledge Arizona? 
because Hassan yeah. Reddick's entire career, they tried to make him a stand-up linebacker, and now he's mm-hmm. he's coming off the edge and he's phenomenal. Anyway, sorry, yeah. keep going. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I I just I don't think that they were really going to stay in this game. I don't, and that wow, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> <I> can't even <laughs> I just think come out with the words. <laughs> I just think Philly was. I mean, they moved the ball well in that first drive. They didn't really have to move it after, but. They just dominated this game from front to end. And even if Purdy's in it, I still don't think San Francisco wins this game. No, and, and, and Fred Warner, we, we need to talk about his injury too. I'm going to sneeze. So fill in about Fred Warner, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, I mean, he got hurt right away. and then But he did end up coming back into the game. Um, so that, that was big. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the heartbeat of this, of this team. And so if, you know, he's playing banged up at all, that's just that's another huge hit to the San Francisco defense. Yeah, immediately when he went out, my first thought was, well, n- the defense takes a massive hit in terms of the secondary help that he provides, mm-hmm. right? He's he's one of the only line we saw it against Dallas. He's covering a 35-yard pass to CD Lamb down the seam. Mm-hmm. Like there's not there aren't linebackers. he's the only linebacker who can do that in the NFL. Yeah. At the at the level that he does it at. Um but yeah, like you said, he can, he did come back in that game, but I I just can't believe Philadelphia just dominating San Francisco yep. in the ground attack. That that just blew me away. Mm. So Philadelphia is a representative for the NFC in the Super Bowl. As for the AFC, it'll be the Kansas City Chiefs who got their revenge after losing three straight to the Bengals over the last two years. Harrison Butker. 45-yard field goal to seal the game, 23-20. to The Chiefs win in Arrowhead Stadium, not Burrowhead Stadium. Um, The theme all weekend felt like the referees. <laughs> Maybe more so in this game than, than the NFC game. I think Kyle Shanahan yeah. was uh, reactionary. Versus yes. uh, actually, uh, obviously, like when you're on the sideline, like he's not watching the film in real time. Mm-hmm. But he was pretty upset over some pretty clear penalties. Uh, versus in this Kansas City Bengals game, uh, the officiating, notorious, like it, people right now on Twitter, on the internet in general, the refs are never going to hear the end of it. No. Because there were some pretty peculiar calls. There were some missed calls. There were some pretty like, really? You didn't call that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of think the world's overreacting a little bit. The officiating was bad. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I, th- I think I think we're overreacting just a little bit. Like the officiating has been has been worse than this before. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think it decided the outcome of the game by any means. I mean, I saw a couple of videos of Bengals fans putting out, like, look how bad this officiating is, and, like, one of them should have been, like, was a major call. I just think, you know, the the third down had a lot of people upset where it was, like, they replayed it. But, I mean, it, you look at the All-22, you can see the see the um, back, back line or back judge coming flying in trying to call the play dead. So that was dead before the play started. and um you know, and then that hold on Eli Apple had a bunch of people upset because it gave the Chiefs first down. It's like around you know, his head, though. Yeah, that one, that yeah. one confuses me. I'm like, if you're and, around a dude's head, that's holding. <laughs> and then everyone's saying like they shouldn't have called the penalty at the end, but it's just like, 
you extend your arms pushing a quarterback who's already three, four yards out of bounds. Who, I mean, it was obvious Mahomes going out of bounds too. That was the right. thing. It's like it wasn't like he was dipping his shoulder to come back in. So I mean, yeah, they're gonna call that one ten, ten times out of ten. Um, so I, I just think it was a lot of like, oh, this should have happened, this should have happened. And if we're being honest, in that first half, the Bengals were lucky to be in it, having had the Chiefs kick field goals both times in the red zone, their first two, their first two drives, right? That could have been that game could have been three touchdown game going into half instead of it was, you know, whatever uh touch, to three. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't think the officiating like made that game go one way or another, but I, and so I, I just don't think it's as big of a need to react as other people are making it to be. I think the other one that I, that I've seen float around quite a bit is the, the no roughing the passer call on Joe Burrow from his own end zone, yeah. right? Where, I mean, yes, it's supposed to be within a step and yes, should they have called it? Sure. You're still telling me they got to drive 95 yards down the field to score. Yeah. I mean, exactly. there, there's so like, yes, so much could have happened there if they did get that call. But like, I, I don't know, like I just the only call that could have changed the outcome of the game was the Mahomes call at the end where he got shoved out of bounds. But like yeah. you said, that's going to be called 10 times out of 10. Yeah. If you're four and a half yards out of bounds. Exactly. You might not like it, but that that was the right call there. Yeah. 100%. So at, at any rate, um. I do think the Chiefs played better in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, regardless of penalties, the the right team in terms of how they controlled the game. I I think the Chiefs were the right team to win. You, you can say mm-hmm. the refs dropped the game. Sure, whatever. Officiating wasn't great, but just based on the eye test, like Cincinnati yes. did nothing to dominate Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And you could say that about Kansas City too, but okay, fine. Let's bring it down to that last field goal then. That's how it's been the last three matchups between these teams. The last four, if you include this one. So at any rate, I I get uh, the officiating was bad, but I don't want to sit here and piss and moan about it like everybody is doing on the internet today. Exactly. So we will get a Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. I do believe the Eagles are favored by a point and a half right now. Uh, we can talk more about the Super Bowl in a future episode, but uh, gut leaning right away after these games this weekend? Uh, Kansas City. I think I lean Philly. I don't, but I mean, I think this game is about as even as they could have asked for for a Super Bowl. So I, I think this is going to be pretty good. This is going to be great. Uh, like I said, we can discuss more later, and my gut may change to Kansas yes. City down the in the next two weeks here. We got two weeks to discuss it, but uh, those will be your Super Bowl representatives. Our Super Bowl game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's keep things moving here. We have some news to cover from this past week, so let's fly through that. So we're going to cover some news from quite literally the past week. Some of it will be old. and You've heard it already. That's fine, but we just want to make sure uh, we cover all of it because, like I said, we only did half a week's worth of news. And then, honestly, <laughs> yep. of course, as soon as that that Friday episode came out, the world just decided to blow up in terms of <laughs> exactly. hirings and all sorts of other things. So, uh, again, you probably heard a lot of this already, but we're going to make sure we recap it for you. Uh, you probably heard already Ezekiel Elliott. He is willing to take a pay cut in 2023. Um, again, I, we, we, I, I don't remember if we talked about this on last week's episode, but... Um, I think it does make it more likely for Pollard to remain in Dallas this off season. 
Yep. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that the Packers won't trade Aaron Rodgers to the NFC. And then, of course, within 24 hours of that report, uh, the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. Uh, so everybody and their mother is sniffing out that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to land with the New York Jets this offseason. Then again, we said that about Aaron Rodgers and the Denver Broncos last offseason. But uh, I was listening to, unashamedly, the Bill Simmons podcast, mostly because I do enjoy his guests that he brings on. And Peter Schrager did a phenomenal job um, emphasizing the relationship between Rodgers and Hackett. Like Hackett has done some incredible things with some offenses. Like, let's not forget he was in Jacksonville. When Blake Bortles was there, took them to an AFC championship, excuse me. But Rodgers and Hackett, they're 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 tight. Like this isn't just like Nathaniel Hackett absolutely flopped. Like these two guys know each other extremely Mm. well. Um, and back to back MVP seasons with Rodgers and Hackett. If the Jets land Rodgers, like I I like I don't they become they become a playoff team. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I won't say they're a Super Bowl contender. I think that's too far. But if they if they make this trade happen, it's outside of the NFC. It's an AFC team. You get Hackett and Rodgers back together with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, who we're going to talk about back healthy. I don't know, man. We'll see if the Jets actually make the move. They've said they want to uh spend, 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 spend on quarterback this offseason and what better way to do that than a man who's due uh $58 million. Yeah. And it's gotta be, it'd be scary though. as the jets, you know, I mean, Rogers oh, yes. talked about retiring last three years and Packers want two first for him. We'll see if they get it, but to give up two first for a guy that could come in, have a mediocre year and just say, hey, I'm done. You know, that there's definitely a possibility that that happens as well. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this unfolds, but I do think that, Rogers is going to make sure that he is at the forefront of the NFL news for the rest of the offseason. He'll drag this out forever. Yep. Literally forever. <laughs> Joe Namath said he'd retire number 12 even for Aaron Rodgers to come. It's crazy. So, uh, everybody and their mother is old. Rodgers is going to be a jet. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they did hire Frank Reich as their head coach. It I think that was the right, right move. Get a, get a veteran guy in. I don't know if he was like cream of the crop head coach. Like, no, the number one guy out there, but for for a franchise that's been in turmoil for so long, that's been uh, just seeking for some stability and some like almost like experience. <laughs> Can mm-hmm. I just leave it at that? Um, Matt Rule was not that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was the favorite, but sorry, the NFL is not for every college coach. It's a whole different ballgame. No. So Frank Reich, I think, I think was the right move for the Panthers. It buys them some time, at least, with an experienced guy. Sean Payton, he's likely headed back to Fox. That doesn't surprise me. I think he's being incredibly picky. I, w- I mean, I don't blame him. There's nothing, you know, maybe you like the Denver deal, but that's probably about it. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't blame him for wanting to wait another year for sure just to see if anything else opens up. Well, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to work with Russell Wilson if I yeah. go to a team. No, I shouldn't say that, but, like, when you have other guys, I mean, Kyler Murray is the only other name, but like mm-hmm. he's going to miss part of next year. And frankly, I don't want to yeah. walk into the dumpster fire. That's the Arizona Cardinals right now. No. Chargers head coaching position might be open next year. <laughs> like I'm not That's gonna, true. Uh, Brandon Staley is mm-hmm. the answer. And and just booting Joe Lombardi is, is what's going to fix their problems. Um, 
So you're connected to Justin Herbert, then like there are certain guys in the league. If I'm Sean Payton, I'd rather be connected to than others. Yeah. He's definitely. living in LA and he can just say, Oh, cool. Chargers are in my backyard. Okay, yeah. cool. Sure, I'll get paid all this money. Sure. They're gonna give ball the draft capital, of course. Um, but I, I'm not gonna be surprised when he's back with Fox this this uh 2023 season. Yep. The Rams, the other LA team, they hired Jets, uh former Jets offensive coordinator, excuse me, Mike LaFleur is their new offensive coordinator. We talked about the Broncos a little bit. Their owner, Greg Penner, uh, he met with Jim Harbaugh and Ann Arbor to discuss Denver's head coaching vacancy. No deals or terms or anything discussed, but just something to track. Something. Mm-hmm. Dolphins make Vic Fangio the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. It's a big hiring for Miami. Yeah, definitely. A massive hiring for Miami. Uh, and then lastly, Justin Herbert. He had surgery to repair the labrum in his left shoulder. Sounds like he'll be ready for the team's offseason activities. Yep. Uh, other piece of news we didn't discuss, Brock Purdy. Um, no real new news on his injury, but uh, he obviously has time to to recover there mm-hmm. offseason. And he, he was able to come back and play. Granted, he only threw two passes in his return. So. Yep. That's news and notes from around the league with what time we have left. Let's recap running backs 11 through 20 from the 2022 fantasy football season. So if you're on YouTube, uh, I'm going to be wiping my nose a lot this episode because I don't want to blow my nose on the, on the podcast. I just want to recognize that. I think I've like wiped my nose about like eight times. I just like... Uh, sick of congestion in winter weather here in Minnesota. Good thing I am. Uh, I think I'm headed to a much warmer place here in <laughs> literally less than on about 15 hours. I will be so. <laughs> I'll be out uh, the rest of the weekend on the po- uh, on the podcast, but I'm here now. I have to tough out Minnesota cold weather. So, uh, let's do it though. Let's dive into running backs 11 through 20 from the fantasy football season in 2022. A uh, few players to talk about beforehand. Uh, I want to start with Brees Hall. For sure. Because he was RB7 in fantasy points per game before his ACL tear this year. 16.3 fantasy points per game. Wound up as a wide receiver or wide receiver. Running back 42 on the season. I mean, we can project a little bit what we think his next season will be or what his season will be like in 2023. Just remember, he's coming off ACL. You don't bounce back typically right away in the first year unless you're Adrian Peterson. Like, I still think Brees Hall is probably a top 20 guy next year, but I don't think he's going to make this jump to, you know, the, the top seven guy that he was prior to his injury. Yeah, th- it'll be something you'll have to watch pretty carefully coming into the year, right? Um, last year, J.K. Dobbins, or this year was J.K. Dobbins. You know, there was all these things. Oh, he's not going to be ready in time. Like, if he's not ready in time for the start of the season, that should be, like, big red flags. Um, if he's good to go during training camp, um, keep watching, you know, keep a watch to it. But if he, like, if he's good to go, good to go, he could potentially finish as another top 10 running back, but I probably wouldn't draft from there just knowing the risks that come with it. But this is a guy, he was averaging 5.8 yards per carry, 11.3 yards per reception, which obviously in seven games, it's easier to do than over a 17 game season, but still he is explosive, a home run hitter. You hope that that returns. That would be the biggest worry with Brees Hall is that he's not able to hit that you know, next gear, that next level um, that he had on some of his big, big, bigger runs. Um, 
but yeah, he was he was phenomenal as a rookie. He was everything you could have asked for if you drafted him. Yep. I 100% agree, and I was worried about him at the beginning of the year with the gauntlet that he had in terms of the defenses he was playing. Yeah, he was just fine. Um, So, obviously, in Dynasty Leagues, you are super excited to have Brees Hall in redraft next year. My guess is that he's going to fall on that, like, RB dead zone or, like, right before it. Mm. Uh, And I'm probably going to be more cautious on Brees Hall than I was this year, but he could just be absolutely explosive next year. we'll, We'll see where his ADP winds up, you know, come. June, July, August, but uh, just a name to keep in mind there. Jonathan Taylor, the overall RB1 drafted this past year in drafts. Uh, obviously, did not play the entire season, but averaged only 13.3 fantasy points per game, finishes a running back 33. You got to think it turns around for him next year, but man, this was uh, disappointing and slightly concerning to see the yep. drop off he had this year. Yeah, it was probably the worst outcome you could have we could have had for Jonathan Taylor. Um, the biggest thing, you know, it was an ankle injury, and I don't think he ever played healthy after the first ankle injury. Yeah, so that's something to definitely keep in mind. But this is a guy who's averaging almost five and a half yards of carry last year. This year he's at four and a half. He was on pace for only seven total touchdowns on the season, which is obviously way down. Um, and so, you know, I mean, his receiving work was was all right. Like it, it was decent, and that's kind of what you're thinking from. Jonathan Taylor, um, probably close to like Dalvin Cook type numbers is what we're looking at for Jonathan Taylor moving forward. Um, and as far as receiving a guy who we'll talk about on this episode, but very disappointing. But I, I don't think it's like, oh no, Jonathan Taylor had one flash here and he's done either. Right. I think he'll bounce back next year, but this the, it was not encouraging for his ADP next year. No. Ezekiel Elliott, he's the RB22. 12.4 fancy points per game. I think that's probably around where he's going to be drafted next year, but he was a guy where, you know, it didn't feel like you drafted him in the third, fourth round this year. Mm. I think you're going to be able to get him later than that next year. And yeah. I'm probably going to be in on that ADP of like, if I can get him late fourth, early to mid fifth is probably where I'm looking to get Zeke next year. And I think enough people are going to despise Zeke for me to draft him there next year. Yeah, I would be surprised if he's even drafted that high. I could see him falling closer to the seventh round. Um, you know, you just see people, people see, I mean, he he's not the same running back, and we know that. No. But if it's him and Tony Pollard again, this guy's going to see probably 180-plus carries just yeah. because he he's going to be that, you know, early down back. He's going to be the short yardage guy, um, which he did really well with, right? He had 12 touchdowns this year. Um, it is a little nerve-wracking that he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, but if he's taking a pay cut to come back, you know that thinks that you know that means that he thinks he's going to be used a lot in this offense. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he, if he starts dipping down, um, you know, into those later rounds, he could definitely be just a great depth piece RB three to have on your team. Yeah, if I that's where I'd probably be looking to get Zeke as an RB three because he was insanely consistent. Yes, you know, when when he played a good defense, you knew to sit him. When he played a vulnerable defense, you knew to start him. Um, so there, there wasn't many questions around Zeke. It was just a matter of what defense is he playing this week. Um, and in good matchups, Zeke was playable, um, borderline top 12 option almost every week. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think too, next year, like the, um, what we, where we think he's going to finish is going to be much lower. His expectations are gonna be much lower, right? We think of like him and Jamal Williams. You think Jamal Williams had an awesome season this year. Jamal Williams finished lower in points per game than Zeke. So 
right? I think then we're gonna we're gonna feel a lot better about Zeke next year just because the expectation is so much lower for him. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, DeAndre Swift. He was a running back 21 on the year, 13.6 fantasy points per game. Uh, on Fuego to start the year, two top five finishes, then gets hurt, comes back. And he was, I thought he was going to be one of the best trade values that you could get yeah. prior to his return. Um, and the Lions just decided to not feed him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, really discouraging as someone who I went out and traded for in quite a few leagues to make sure I got Swift on my team. And uh, he did not pay dividends. Uh, he's so tough. Yeah, I want to love him in 2023. I don't think I can get myself there, though. My guess is that he's going to be drafted closer to the running back 20 than he will be. Okay, let's ask this. Will he be drafted closer to RB25 or 15? I'm going to say 15 um, just because he is such an amazing fantasy back, right? I mean, he's a guy who can get you 20 points on nine touches, but he can also, you know, you give him 20 touches. He can put up 20, 25 points. The thing is we saw it this year. And like you just commented, we had no idea what the Lions were going to do the entire season with him. You never knew if he was going to get five touches. You never knew if he was going to get 10, 10 receptions out of the backfield. So that is a scary prospect to have because, he was healthy by the end of the year, right? The first half of the year, you're like, oh yeah, you know, he's kind of going back and forth. But towards the end of that year, he was he was healthy and he was he was playing that full time, but he just wasn't getting the carries and he was getting outsnapped by Jamal Williams. And that's a concerning thing. If mm-hmm. Jamal Williams will be back, let's be real. Yeah, he's he not will. going anywhere. Um so how do those two play together? Like DeAndre Swift is never gonna be the guy. He's always a threat to break it off from the backfield or from the receiving game, though. And that's why I'm still in love with DeAndre Swift is his PPR upside. But like my guess is, and I say 15 to 25, I I think he's probably going to be right around 20. My guess is Mm going to be like the RB probably like 18 next year is probably where he's drafted. Um, But yeah, just another name to to keep on your your radar as another guy who's drafted very, very high this year. Yeah. Um, and obviously did not return on value. Uh, let's dive into these top 20 running backs, though, as we discussed a few honorable mentions there. Let's start with 11. Dalvin Cook, the Minnesota Vikings. 253 attempts, 1,100 yards, 4.5 yards a carry, 8 rushing touchdowns, added 37 receptions, 295 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns, 14.7 fantasy points per game. Here's the thing about Dalvin, though. Only four top 10 finishes this year. In those games, he had 18-plus fantasy points. Again, that threshold that we talk about. So we're, we're looking at Dalvin Cook, who played 16 games this year, uh, and only 25% of them, he was a top 10 running back. This is now the second year he's finished outside of the top 10 running backs. Is this the beginning of the end for Dalvin Cook? I think it's definitely time to start worrying a little bit um if you're a dynasty manager um it it's definitely getting harder to trade him away because people are recognizing hey he's kind of slowed down a little bit these last years right he still averaged 4.5 yards per attempt still at 253 yards so he's still a good back it's it'll just be interesting going forward how much longer is he going to be commanding 250 yards right there's rumors going around he might be a potential cut candidate for the vikings this season Although those might go start going away a little more with how much the NFL raises salary cap, um, raising it almost $16, $16 million or something like that this year. Um, but 
I think next year would be a little bit wary, um, but I do think he's still he's still for sure a top fifteen, probably borderline top ten back again next year. Who are you going to take, Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook? Because I think that's the interesting discussion as they finish back to back this year. So let's say if nothing changed for these two offenses going into the next year, I would I would still take Dalvin Cook over Joe Mixon. I agree. Um, just because Cook, I mean, obviously efficiency wise, Cook was a lot better, four and a half to three point nine. Mixon just looked like he never got anything going. Yeah, had his big breakout from one game. Other than that, it was just just disappointing. Um, and I think Cook's got good enough receiving numbers to you know hold hold up with Mixon in that regard. So I would definitely go Cook. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you there. I Joe Mixon just like Dalvin. I can at least look at his metrics and and say. I think that's repeatable mm-hmm. for Mixon. I look at his metrics and I'm like, man, unless you get that same number of receptions again, I am yep. concerned. Yep. Um, I'm with you there. Uh, you drafting Dalvin cook top 10 next year. That's it'll be interesting, right? I think he's gonna be that right on that borderline top 10. I don't think we're going to see him as a top five, six back anymore. Um, and obviously the one year last couple of years, he was, he had great touchdown numbers and that's kind yep. of what it comes down to. Um, this is a team now with Kevin O'Connell that kind of gets a little bit more fancy around the end zone, right? They th- like to throw to Jefferson. They like to um, run it with CJ Ham. They like to run it with Kirk. So I just, or not sneak it with Kirk, I should say, not really sneak run it, it with yeah. Kirk. Um, so I, I don't know if he's ever going to hit that touchdown mark again. So I do think he's going to be kind of closer to that borderline top 10. My guess is that he's probably drafted RB12 next year because you're going to get some of these young guys sliding up in there yep. that people are going to take a chance on. Yep. Like you're going to get some, like the Tony Paul, while well, Tony Pollard may not be healthy, we'll see. It's reported he'll be ready for, for camp, but uh, like a Ramondre, right? Yep. Um, like uh, if a Brees Hall even slides up top 12, mm-hmm. um, I think he could definitely do that too. But like there'll be guys, there'll be like Javante's of last year, right, where Javante starts creeping up ahead of some of these other experienced guys where I'm like, really? Yeah. We're drafting, we're drafting the unknown, uh, over some of these known commodities. I mean, granted Javante was injured this year, but like, I think we're going to get a few more Javantes this year. That slide ahead of some of these vets like Lenny, James Connor, Zeke. Right. Um, I think that's the reality we're going to start seeing for Dalvin cook. Yeah. Speaking of Lenny, he was the RB 12 this year. Let's be honest. He was saved by his 72 receptions for 519 yards and three scores. Can we just yeah. say that? Can we just be yep. honest? 100%. Uh, 189 rushing attempts. Oh my gosh. 668 yards. 3.5 yards per carry. Yeah. He's cooked. He's done, right? I think I... Rashad White in town now, mm-hmm. who looks a lot better than Leonard Fournette. I'm sorry. Yeah. He does. He, he's cooked, right? Yeah, I... I have some real issues drafting Leonard Fournette next year, um, especially if Tom Brady leaves. Right, yes. I don't know if they're going to have another running back come in who's or another quarterback come in who dumps the ball off as much as Tom Brady. They're not definitely not going to throw as much as they have with Tom Brady, right? And yeah, that might lead to more carries, but he's only averaging three and a half yards per carry. It's so so the, much left to be desired on the ground, and so, so much. He looked awful running the football exactly. this year. One of the league's and, lowest EPA per rush attempts. And if he's going to look that bad, they're going to just pivot to Rashad White right away, right? Why not go to the guy that you drafted in the third round who is actually moving the ball down the field like you want, who looks explosive, who looks like he could score a touchdown. Who can literally replace Lenny snap for snap. Yes, exactly. And so I'm not excited about Lenny for next year, that's for sure. No, I I think he's going to fall to like 
the RB20 range. Yep. Um, depending on what happens this offseason with him. I, I don't think they'll cut him. They don't save enough money doing it. Mm. I'll tell you what, Rashad White sure looks a whole lot better than Lenny. Um, yeah. That's what the eye test told me this year. That's what the efficiency metrics told me. It's, yeah, it ain't looking good for Lenny. I don't think th- this RB12 finish is very, 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 very fluky. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders. Do we have to? Can we, do we have to talk about Miles Sanders? I will say, I did say in the beginning of the year, I was backing off on the hate of Miles Sanders. I wasn't in. I did not think he puts up 1,200 yards this season. No. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of like this is this is this does feel like the ceiling though for Miles Sanders, right? 250 yeah. carries. He's always been efficient on the ground, right? He's always averaged close to five yards per carry, but it was just like can he score touchdowns and can he get the carries? And he did this year, and that's that is why he's up at running back 13, but he's still only averaging 13.3 points per game. After their bye week in week eight, these are his finishes. RB 21, RB 11. Okay, that's good. RB 39, RB 37. RB2, way to go. RB23, RB3, RB63, 38, 47, 56. In games where he had, even in games where he had 17 or more carries, three of them, he was a top 12 running back. And one of them, he was still the RB38. (laughs) If Miles Sanders finds the end zone, you can count on him. He's like Nick Chubb light. Yeah, he is. I mean, only it's uh, 25 targets on the season. Not even two a game. And I don't think this team even really wants Miles Sanders around. Can I be honest? I wouldn't be surprised if they re-sign him um, because I don't think he's going to take – I just don't think he's going to cost the same of like a Josh Jacobs. I think that That, would be the reason to keep him. I mean, they were looking to trade for Alvin Kamara this off, or during That's the true. season. They, they definitely were. And, I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if they move off them, too. You know? Um, right. You see a Jameer Gibbs in the in the draft, right? If yeah. he drops end of second, and I mean, even end of third, they might scoop him up there. I could definitely see something like that. B. John Robinson fell at the end of the first. They could think about him there, too. I think it could be sneaky contenders for a guy like Zach Evans, mm-hmm. uh, a, a Tank Bigsby. Mm-hmm. Just, just a, a power guy who can yep. come in. Someone not named Boston Scott, right? Yep. He's not five <laughs> foot six, right? Exactly. Who can just plow through defenders because Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders are not that. No, and it, it's not going to surprise me if they're looking for, like you said, even a Jameer Gibbs who has a. You watch his film, balance wise, a lot of similarities to Camaro. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft and if they even bring back Miles Sanders. Yeah, I agree. Um, it would be interesting, you know, if they win the Super Bowl, they might just to yeah. keep, you know, the the team together. Even the fact they made the Super Bowl, they might. But this does feel like an offense where any running back who's in it is going to succeed. Um, not not to discredit, you know, Miles Sanders putting up twelve hundred yards is impressive no matter what. But you look at like the Ravens as well. I mean, they Devonta Freeman last year when he was a starter was the running back sixteen. Right. So it's it's just offenses like this when you have this good of a O line and running quarterback like this, any running back you plug in is going to be pretty good on the ground. But when you have running quarterback, they're also going to lose touchdowns. Jalen Hurts had 13 rushing touchdowns this year, 14 if you include the playoffs, and he only saw 25 targets. So both of those are definitely going to be a little bit disappointing for any running back who's on this Philly team. 
you're not drafting him top 15 next year, though, are you? No. Now with the upside, it's like, I mean, you look at like ETN. I would take Kamara ahead of him. I take Cook ahead of him. Um, I, I just don't know how repeatable this is going to be for Miles Sanders. Yeah, to go from zero touchdowns to 11. Yeah. I think the expectation needs to be somewhere in the middle, like seven or eight, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't think he hits double digit touchdowns again, which, I mean, you even look at um, in terms of fantasy points, right? Um, I, 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 I don't want to take away when a guy does good. I don't like it's mm. not the that's not the purpose of this exercise. But if he goes from eleven to eight touchdowns, we're taking away math eighteen fantasy points there. I mean, we're we're talking borderline top twenty, which yep. is where we're talking about Miles Sanders being this entire season. He could be efficient. He can have all these rushing yards, but unless if he gets that receiving work, like this is probably close to his ceiling, if not yeah. his ceiling exactly. Yeah, that I mean, like you said, Nick Chubb light. So you need a touchdown for a good game. And if we're going to bank on who's going to score a rushing touchdown, it's going to be Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders down at 10 times. So that yeah. is that is a little more worrisome as well. Najee Harris was the running back 14 this year. Can you believe that? Remember when we were talking about him being outside of the top 25 running backs after being drafted like top five? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a bounce back. 249 rushing attempts, 954 yards. Efficiency sucked as we all expected. Uh, receiving work plummeted down as we expected nine total touchdowns on the year 13.1 fantasy points per game uh part of the reason he made this big comeback he was the rb7 after week 11 this year Mm -hmm. you have like a glimmer of hope he's still a top 10 running back i I do just because that is when kenny pickett kind of got settled into this offense that that is when we saw him, you know, not like I don't want to say take a step forward because it's not like Kenny Pickett all of a sudden became this great offensive court, you know, this great weapon. But you know, he was a serviceable quarterback who could move the move the ball down the field. Steelers offense kind of started coming around, and I, I mean, that's what he Najee's going to need is touchdowns to be relevant, um, because the efficiency is just not going to. I just I don't believe watching him play that it's ever going to be great. I don't believe he's ever going to yeah. be a five yards per carry kind of guy. But I do think he's going to continue to get the volume being a former first-round pick. Um, so the yardage is going to be there if the touchdowns can keep up. I think that these receiving numbers are probably closer to what he's going to be at next year as well. So it's going to depend on touchdowns. I think he could kind of you know finish there with a lower points per game, but just because of the fact that he – doesn't miss a game or something like that. But I think if you draft him probably around that Joe Mixon range, that probably feels appropriate, probably just ahead of Joe Mixon because they feel very similar. Uh, I, I think it does come down to touchdowns for Najee, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yep. Again, six rushing touchdowns on the year. Only one rushing touchdown prior to the bye. Six touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns after the bye. Yeah. Only one receiving touchdown after the bye, two prior to the bye, but like I don't think that's where Najee's going to make his bread. I do think it's going to be if they get in a scoring position, like let's just feed Najee the ball. You even look at his touches. Uh, only two games of more than 15 rushing attempts mm-hmm. in the first eight weeks of the season. From week 10 on, 20, 20, 10, 17. 12, 24, 16, 22, 23. Finally, they're starting to get him, you know, that those 18 plus touches. Uh, and in those games, you saw Najee put up, you know, top 15 finishes, which is what you had been longing for all season. 
Yeah. And, and, and I think it does come down to touchdowns. Like I, I think we can boil that down to if Najee is scoring touchdowns, um, he's getting you fantasy points. So, which is like a no duh, Lucas great analysis, but like for a guy like Najee who, who has no efficiency, you either need the receiving work like Leonard from that, mm-hmm. or you need to score touchdowns. That's just how it, uh, that's just how it is. Um, yeah. So I think it does come down to touchdowns for Najee. And um, if this offense starts finding the red zone more, which is totally possible um, next season with, with Kenny Pickett a year under his belt, I think we could see a, a top 10 bounce back. I, my guess is that Najee will probably be in the, in the probably like 10 to 14 range would be my guess for running backs. It's not going to surprise me if he's like RB nine though, off the board. Yep. Listen to this. So last two seasons, the only real difference is that he had 30 attempts last year. He averaged 3.9 yards per attempt and had a long run of 37 yards this year. 30 less attempts, so he had about 100 less yards. Yards per attempt is 3.8 and a uh, longest run of 36 yards. So he's the same running back he was last year. He just saw less volume. And then again, 30 less receptions, about 40 less targets, so about half the receiving yards. And both seasons, he was right around six yards per reception. So nothing changed as far as system. It was just this team ran less plays, so Najee Harris saw the ball less. And so I think that's kind of what this is more going to be indicative of who Najee is going forward um, than his first season. So, yeah, I, I, again, that makes me think he's going to be drafted between probably 10 and 14. Yeah. I, I don't think he goes any higher than that. No, I would say that's probably about his his route. The RB 15 on the year. The man nobody thought was going to do it. <laughs> Jamal Williams. Six top 10 finishes, six games of 18 plus fantasy points. Really? Only six? It feels like Jamal had more than that. It feels like he had like a couple massive, like mm-hmm. massive camps. Um, 246 rushing attempts, 994 yards, almost a thousand yard rusher. Here it is though. 15 rushing touchdowns. 16. This for some reason I don't think his has week seventeen or no. So he had seventeen because it doesn't show week seventeen stats for some reason. Correct for whatever. Yeah, for week eighteen. Yes, week eighteen. That's what. I mean. Yeah, uh, we we pulled uh, love, love fantasy bros, but for whatever reason they don't have week eighteen metrics in there for uh, like basically anybody who was in a top ten running back. It's weird because yeah. I had to fix that with uh, Joe Mixon last week. Yep, I digress. Uh, 17 rushing touchdowns. Only 13 fancy points a game, though. Um, look, I don't know. Like, how much relevance, how much stock do we put into Jamal Williams for next year? Because, like, we may get, I don't want to bank on a full season of DeAndre Swift. We haven't seen that yet. Mm-mm. But when he's on the field, like, it, it's tough to see Jamal Williams having top... It, I don't see Jamal Williams a top 15 value. I like yep. plain and simple. Yeah. If he has half the amount of rushing touchdowns from last year, so let's play he puts up eight. Um, he is going to be right around the running back 30 spot. So unless we think he's putting up, you know, insane rushing touchdown totals again, I don't think he finishes this high. Like you said, DeAndre Swift plays a full season. You got to think it's a little different. Swift average under nine, nine touches a ga- or nine rushes a game. You got to think that never goes up a little bit. So, 
I I don't see him maintaining anything close anything in the top twenty. Um, so I would I would definitely think he's closer, probably a top twenty five running back next season. I'm worried he's going to be overpriced in drafts next year. He I I think he's going to be that guy that people are going to be like, oh look at James Conner, right? Yes. James oh, that's Con- perfect. Um, but you look at the difference. He hit Jamal Williams only saw sixteen targets. He only saw three targets the last nine weeks of the season. This is a guy who doesn't catch passes, so unless he's scoring touchdowns, he's not getting that same fantasy relevance. That that's that's such a perfect comparison because I think that's what people are going to come back to. Like, oh, look at that! He 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 just has a he just has a knack for the end zone. Mm-hmm. To which I say, James Conner was that the Arizona Cardinals' entire offense last year. Like, yep. <laughs> like that's not how this works with Jamal Williams. Uh, no. There's Amon Ross, St. Brown, and granted DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. Okay, sure, you can count on me with that. Uh, Jameson Williams will be back. DeAndre Swift is there. Yes, they have other sneaky playmakers uh, on that team. Uh, so it's yeah, uh, I fear he's going to be overdrafted next yep. year. Uh, speaking of a guy who I was concerned about being overdrafted coming into this year, James Conner. So RB 16 on the year, uh, albeit he only played in 13 games, averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game. So um, again, it's just a matter of James Conner. Just nothing excites me about him. 183 carries, mm-hmm. 782 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, seven rushing touchdowns, 46 receptions on 58 targets for 300 yards, caught a touchdown there as well. I don't know, man. As long as he's in Arizona, I'm kind of convinced he's going to hover right around this top 15 range. Like, I don't see anything that, like, prevents me from drafting him there. Injury, sure. But, like, I don't know, man. When I get a healthy James Conner, like, I'm getting a top 15 running back, it feels like, most weeks. Yeah, it'll be the interesting thing next year. will be no Cliff Kingsbury, obviously. And Cliff That's was true. notorious for running inside the five. And then uh report just came out about Kyler Murray. I just remember this um, about he is t- going to probably take his recovery a little slower. He's not going to try and rush back. Good for him. Which I don't blame him either. You you know, you look at a guy like RG3 playing on an injured knee ruined his career. And for Kyler, being able to scramble is the big, probably the biggest part of his game. And so, you know, no Kyler, Cliff gone, but it's going to be him and Marquise Brown. So you got to think, Hey, he's probably going to be this running back 15. Um, so maybe you get a discount because of that. If he starts falling, you know, 16, 17, 18 running back. Oh my gosh. You just got to think he catches passes out of the backfield and scores touchdowns. What more do you want from a, you know, a low end RB two? Like if you, if you go three running back or three wide receivers right away, James Conner could be sitting there end of round four, beginning of round five. And I, I definitely scoop him up for that price. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's going to be this like discount zero RB running back next yep. where it's like you're not going the full zero RB, but when you mm-hmm. walk the first round with the JJ, uh, CD Lamb, come back in the third round with if, if a Michael Pittman, a Mike, yeah. um, a Chris Godwin is there, right? Someone along those lines. Yeah. Then you get a James Conner to fall right in your lap. Like that's going to be mighty tempting. You need to go to Kelsey. You get a CD, right? Like there, there's ways to fill out your team where like, okay, James Conner can be your RB1 and your stack at every other position. Yeah. That is if he falls, you know, closer to that 17, 18, 19, 20 range. But like, I, again, I could see people biting on James Conner right around the RB13. And and we I saw that in plenty of drafts where James Conner yes. drafted well ahead of ADP. Yeah, uh, I think he, he's definitely it. an interesting one. Yeah. 
uh, I'm not, I don't want to make a prediction on James Conner because again, I like, I feel comfortable drafting him right around where he finished this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's where like my line is on James Conner. That being said, if I get a fully healthy James Conner at that price, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has potential to be top 12 next year because it mm-hmm. could just be, let's feed James Conner near the end zone. Let's do short dump offs because Colt McCoy can't throw the football down the field. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, the, the but it is, are we ever going to see a healthy James Conner, right? Last year, he yeah. missed two games and that was the most games he's ever played in his career. So it's how likely is it that we're going to see a healthy James Conner? But that's probably going to be baked into his draft price as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, again, we're prematurely discussing ADP. I'm really curious. Like, yes. as we discuss these players, I'm like, man, I'm actually really curious to see where these guys end up because mm-hmm. I think I might have some stronger opinions then. Definitely. People may be ready for going into the next season. Uh, the RB17, Travis Etienne. 213 rushing attempts, 1,100 yards. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry. That was phenomenal. Only five rushing touchdowns, though. Didn't catch as many passes. Hmm. 33 for 299. The yards perception was pretty good, but uh, 12 and a half fantasy points per game. Is Etienne going to be one of those guys who like creeps up to be the top 12 running back? I brought up the young guys earlier in the episode who are going to creep ahead of the Dalvin Cooks, the Joe Mixons of the world. Is Travis Etienne going to be one of those guys next year? Because I fear he is. I think he's going to be drafted as top seven running back next year. I think he's going to be so. I just think people are, people have been so excited about him all year, right? We we knew that from the beginning of the year. You have the Etienne truthers. You see a guy averaging 5.2 yards per carry. He's probably going to be the lead back in this Jacksonville offense that everyone's really excited about. I think he really gets a lot of hype going into this next year. I'm not. I'm not saying I draft him there. I'm, you know, I'm probably more comfortable drafting him ten or ten or twelve. Right? He only averaged twelve point five yards per or per game. The yards are there. It it remain to be seen. Is he going to score the touchdowns? And the receiving work was underwhelming to say the least for Travis Etienne. Right? This was a guy people were hoping we get sixty receptions a year, and instead he's sitting at thirty three. Um, but I think that people see the upside of ETN and I think he's going to be pushed really high in drafts next year. I think, I think for sure he'll go top 12. I don't know about above like RB eight or nine, but I like, I do agree. I think, mm-hmm. I think people are going to be all over ETN next year. He's going to be a guy I don't have many shares of. I can already tell you that. Yep. Because as efficient as he is on the ground in games where the Jaguars fall behind, they just don't use him. Yes. That's the problem. Uh, you look at the games, like, let me pull up his stats because I am almost positive. In games where Travis Etienne got at least 18 rushing attempts, that dude was a machine. Yeah, he um, was. Maybe not even 18. Maybe it was only even 14 because he was incredibly efficient. Um, yeah, here, here we go. Uh, running back eight, he had 14 rushing attempts in week seven. Week eight against Denver, 24 rushing attempts, the RB7. Week nine, 28 rushing attempts, the RB3. 22 rushing attempts in week 16, that would be 15. Otherwise, we're looking at four attempts, nine attempts, 13, 8, 10, 10, 14, 11, 2, 13. You get 17 and 19 where he was RB22 and the RB48, 9, 7. He was the RB5 against Houston, but that's because the man was, uh, he actually got utilized in the passing game and he was averaging 12 yards a carry. Yep. Again, this is this is a like ETN showed out against Denver. But you look at the other defenses that he played. Uh the Jets, you can run on the Jets a little bit. Houston. Goodness, you can run on Houston. Vegas, you could run on Vegas. Denver was was good for him. 
the Giants. You could run on the Giants. So I just I just fear people are going to be too optimistic on ETN for these boom weeks. And then you yep. look at his other weeks and you're you're just let down. There's nothing special about him. Yeah, I would agree. And the reason I say running back seven is where I think he could be drafted is you look at it, you got Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Saquon, maybe throw Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb in there. And then uh, Jonathan Taylor. So there's seven. So he could be right around that running back eight, right? Ramondre Stevenson, people are going to have reservations about Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, um, even Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. I think he could be right in that area where people are just so optimistic and down on other guys that he just gets elevated that level where he is overdrafted. He's next year's Javante Williams. I would 100% agree. I would, I would agree with him. I'm not going to say he's going to get injured early next year. That's not what I'm saying by that. But in terms of the optimism and how his ADP spikes up, mm. I, I think that's going to be Travis Etienne. And it's going to be higher than Javante at RB13 this year. Javante was. I fear it's going to be top 12, top 10 for Travis Etienne. And I will have zero shares of him. Yeah. Alvin Kamara was running back 18. We only have a few minutes left here. Let's fly through these last ones. Well, one we really don't even have to discuss, but yeah. <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Uh, here's what here's a question I want to ask about Alvin Kamara because again, when we heard the suspension was being pushed back, Kamara's ADP spiked up, RB twelve mm-hmm. I believe. Only three top ten finishes, only four games with eighteen plus fantasy points. I mean, this was just awful. Only two rushing touchdowns on the year for Kamara. You you like the passing game usage, fifty six on seventy five targets for forty seven. Only two touchdowns there though. We miss 14 games, or we only get 14 games from Kamara, so we miss him for three games. But I'm sorry, like, I only 14.3 fantasy points per game. I didn't draft him as my RB1. I mm-hmm. took him as my RB1 in, in quite a few drafts this year because he was falling early second round. And I was willing, if I had a late pick, uh, you best believe I stacked Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, and Alvin Kamara in quite a few drafts. Yeah. At any rate. Travis Kelsey, I did that with. I did Travis Kelsey and Kamara. Finished third in that league, but man, that was I was lucky I drafted Ramondre Stevenson. At any rate, I, I I'm I'm rambling. Here's the question I want to ask about Alvin Kamara. What's the panic meter level out of 10 on Alvin Kamara going into next season? Dynasty standpoint, you gotta be a little panicked if you have him. You understanding he's probably gonna face a six-game suspension this next year. We can't forget about that. Redraft he might become a value just because of the suspension, right? We saw that with um, DeAndre Hopkins this year. I'm not saying he's going to like Hopkins came back and was wide receiver one. He was, I mean, he was putting up 19 fantasy points a game, but I think he could definitely be a value um, going forward. I think he's probably got one more good year in him just because of um, receiving work. Yeah. I think hopefully he sees some more touchdowns, but I, he's definitely not the same top 10 guy we've been used to. Yeah. I mean, he, 200 carries, he only gets four yards per carry. Um, the one thing I think that is good for Alvin Kamara is their cap situation is so awful that I don't think they bring in another running back. No. No, they won't bring in another guy. Out of 10? So, okay, so in redraft. Redraft out of 10? I'm I'm probably getting pretty close to like a six or seven. Um, probably right around where I am with Joe Mixon. Redraft, I'm sitting at like a seven and a half. Okay. Um. I, I'm not going to want many shares of Kamara next year, even if I can get him out of value. Because I yep. fear he's still going to be drafted at like 18, and I'm not going to want to take him there because I'm not going to have him for six-plus weeks. Yeah. And if I'm getting the efficiency he was at right now, 
that's not going to return on RB18 value. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, Dynasty, where are you at? Dynasty, I'll be eight or nine if I have him, right? I mean, you're looking, this might be one of his last, but last great years. And he might be out for half of it. So I would be hoping that there's still someone optimistic about Kamara in your league and trying to give him to that manager this year. Uh, we've seen that happen in our yes. dynasty leagues um, where people have already been ready to move off of Kamara. Um, let me ask you this. What are you looking to get in return? Because I feel like we can say sell Kamara in dynasty. Cause I agree. I'm at, I'm at like an eight, eight and a half in dynasty for Kamara. Um, what, what kind of draft capital and I'm going to say draft capital because frankly, mm-hmm. the players I think you're going to get back just aren't going to be worth it for here about here. Here's a, here's a player. Would you trade Damian Pierce for Alvin Kamara? Ooh, probably not. I know I could get more years out of Damian Pierce. Maybe, man, it depends. I mean, if I'm rebuilding a hundred percent, but Damian, Damian Pierce worries me because you know, on the Texans, I, he just wasn't like crazy efficient this last year. And I just worry how long till they replace him with someone else. That just seems to be the Texans way. It's just, you know, rinse and reuse. So that, that does worry me, but I would probably hold on to Camaro as far as draft capital. If you could get like a 24 first for him, I probably would. Um, but I think that would be the most you're going to get for Alvin Kamara. I don't think, I don't see many, managers wanting to trade Kamara or wanting to give up a first, especially this year for Kamara right now. Could I interest you in Alvin Kamara uh, for Brian Robinson in the 204? Brian Robinson in the 204. I would be, I would be tempted. I would, as the Kamara manager, I, I think I might hold off on that. See, I, I just, I struggle so much giving up players like Kamara for draft picks. I know I probably should. I know it's probably smarter in the long run, but Brian Robinson just doesn't get me excited. That's the thing, right? Right. Brian Robinson, I'm I'm not like, oh, yes, he's going to be putting up crazy numbers. He's going to be an average running back who's not getting great receiving work. So that's kind of where I am with that. Um, But that is is probably the line that you're going to have to walk with if you're trying to trade Kamara. I just, I just fear you're not going to get anything better than that no. because you're going to be, if you're training him away, my guess is that you're probably going to be rebuilding mm-hmm. and people are going to look to give you young assets. And these are some of the young assets that you're probably going to look to get into return. Um, Damian Pierce. I mean, again, I, I don't think he's, I don't think it's a guarantee. He's the starting running back for the Houston Texans next year. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I don't think it's a guarantee. Um, Brian Robinson. I'm, I think he'll be the lead guy in Washington. But again, he's not a guy who gets you excited. He doesn't catch passes. No. Uh, and the 204 could be anybody. You know, from, who are we looking at in the 204 range? Alec Pierce last year yeah. to like even Sky Moore, who was drafted tail into the first round yeah. last year. Damian right? like, Pierce was there too. Right Damian Pierce that. was there. Tyler Algier. I mean, there are some decent guys in there. But again, nobody that you, you look at that mid-second round and you're like, man, I'm stoked to get somebody yeah. mid-second round there. I yeah. just... But I think that's the best you're going to give for Kamara because I don't think anybody wants to actually give up quality assets to acquire him right now. What a great. All right, let's let's keep it moving. We're touching an hour here. Kenneth Walker, the RB19 on the year. He only had three top 10 finishes. That shocks me. I know. That's what I thought too. 200 rushing attempts, 936 yards, nine rushing touchdowns. Uh, caught a few passes, 14 games active. But remember, he really didn't come on until what, week six? Mm-hmm. 
13 and a half fantasy points per game. Uh, Ken Walker is going to be one of those guys. I think that creeps up into that top 10 range. He'll be drafted ahead of guys like Dalvin. That'll be drafted ahead of guys like Mixon. If he creeps ahead yeah. of Najee, even I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, you agree with that? Yeah. And he's definitely a guy who you're more excited about in games. Like we talked about with ETN where they're winning because when they're winning, he's can see 23, 24 attempts. If they, especially if they're playing an underdog, um, in wins, uh, I'm just doing quick math off the top of my head. I mean, he pro- it looks like he was around 22, 22 attempts a game. Yep. And you got a guy averaging 4.7 attempts, right? You're, you're already at 100 yards, probably going to throw in a touch on there. Um, it'll just be remaining to be seen. Can the receiving work catch up enough that he is going to be worth it in those dip games when there are get behind quick? Yeah, that's that's gonna be the the thing with Ken Walker. I I I think the the potential is unlimited with him. I think Seattle could going into year two. I think they could totally get one of Ken Walker's best years out of him. Now that they don't have, mm-hmm. they won't have Rashad Penny there to compete with him. Uh, they could just give Ken Walker the load. Um, they could really just build on what they're already like surviving. Can I say surviving? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously playing above expectations, but like. If they're hanging on to a playoff spot right now with the team that they have and the draft capital that they have this year, like I think the the only way is up for this team. So like I don't like I don't think it gets worse for Ken Walker. I think it only gets better. And with with the talent you saw from him this year, like he's a guy who I think, like I said, probably could creep up to that maybe not top twelve, but like 13, 14, 14, mm-hmm. 13, 12, 11, somewhere in that range. And again, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets drafted ahead of guys like Dalvin and Mixon next year. I'm just not. Yeah. Like the age is showing on those guys, and Ken Walker is still young and could arguably produce his best year. Yep. Uh, RB20 of the year, Jarek McKinnon. I don't care. Um, I mean, phenomenal stretch, three straight games as RB1. I mean, the receive clearly, the, like you want, you want an example of receiving work being king in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Um, see Jarek McKinnon. I mean, 512 receiving yards, 68 targets, 54 receptions, eight receiving touchdowns. I mean, we're talking like, I, I want to know where he's at in terms of wide receivers, uh, just on that receiving work alone. Uh, we don't have to do that right now, but uh, 70 rushing attempts, 285 yards, four yards of tote, one rushing touchdown. Um, my guess is that McKinnon still goes on draft next year. It's a nice finish. It's a nice little story, but um, my guess is that McKinnon is going to be drafted as like an RB four. He feels like a JD McKissick. Yeah, I mean he's the same age as Cordell Patterson. He's thirty one. You got to think Chiefs are looking to bring bring in bring in another running back. You saw we saw it last night. They couldn't get anything growing on the ground. Um, and if you want to keep a dynasty going, you need to be able to run the ball at least a little bit. So, got to imagine he's not not seeing you know one B work next year as the running back in Kansas City. Sean Robinson to the Kansas City Chiefs. Gosh, that would be fun. I don't know if they commit to that, but boy, that would be fun to watch. I'm, I'm going to keep whispering it into existence. I don't have the 101 anywhere, but man, that'd just be fun <laughs> to watch from a football perspective. It would be a lot Bichon of fun. To the Chiefs. To the Chiefs. Yes, sir. Anything you want to add before we wrap up here? No, I think it's just keep watching the news. Um, keep tuning in to the podcast here, the latest news. Um, and just be throwing up, um, especially if we're in a dynasty league, just be throwing out some trades, you know, just some borderline ones. Cause you never know how people are going to value certain players. They're going to value certain picks. 
Um, and everyone values things different, man. That's what we've learned the most from our dynasty league is everybody values picks players very differently. Yes. Um, and someone might overvalue one player and then severely undervalue one, a different player. So it's always good to just either ask or throw out a trade off or just, just kind of feel the waters. And now is the time people are going to be willing to sell and move some of these guys too before too much news comes out about them this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, 2022 is still fresh. They're not as they're not looking towards the future as much. Uh, some people could still have 2022 fresh in their minds, and it's a good time to capitalize potentially. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Let's close it out there. FF fellas on Twitter, the FF fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football fellas on TikTok and youtube i am out the rest of the week cameron will be back later this yes, week sir. hopefully with tyler hope we'll try our best maybe. try we'll, your we'll best. Try our best uh we'll dive into the top 10 wide receivers later this week though uh we'll give them their drop performance review um but yeah that wraps out this episode of the fantasy football fellas podcast uh we yes, will sir. see you later this week do stooges being dudes here tyler get back on a pod come on quit, man quit caring about other sports but be a nice to middle schoolers. Two students being dudes, fancy football fellas. We'll see you later this week. Deuces. Deuces.